Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. This is Radio Maria, very warm. Welcome back. And this is Credo. We're very privileged and honoured to have a very dear friend of ours and a great contributor to Radio Maria England, the one and only Derek Williams. And today, Derek will be discussing, continuing his talk on the Sabbath, and today it's the Sabbath rest. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Eddie. The one and only, right? The one and only Derek and the one and only Eddie. Hey, the 18th. <laughs> Derek and Eddie. Sounds fantastic. And good afternoon, listeners. So shall I crack on, Eddie? By all means, yeah, I'm here and I'm uh, fantastic. curious and uh, eager to eager to learn. And then as you regular listeners know, we give it about 15 minutes or so. We'll have a little music break and I'll open up the phone lines. But until then, over to you. The floor is yours. Okay, listeners. So I'm on Luke chapter four. So for the last six weeks or so, we've been looking at the Sabbath through the lens of the Old Testament um, and following it from Genesis all the way up through the Torah and the prophets and the writings. And now uh, I'm looking at, and it's not exhaustive, it's not been an exhaustive study as it were, it's just been trying to help you to understand the importance of the Sabbath, really from a Jewish perspective, or Old Testament. And now we're at Luke 4, we've sort of done a, a very quick skip into the New Testament, where Jesus is um, in in verse 14, he returns in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And I like this bit. A report concerning him went through all the surrounding country. So even though Jesus hasn't really been doing much preaching at this point, the, the people themselves are doing the evangelization. The report concerning him goes out. And it says he taught in their synagogues. There's only one day of the week when you teach in a synagogue, and that's the Sabbath day. Okay. So in verse 16, he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. He went to the synagogue, as was his custom, on the Sabbath day. So here we have the one most really, really important um, teaching from St. Luke, um, quoting Isaiah. And Jesus actually, on the Sabbath day, Okay, really get that, really understand this, because it is the Lord's day for us when we will generally go into mass we will sit down and somebody will stand up and read from the old testament the psalm the new testament the acclamation and then the priest will proclaim or the deacon or the bishop or the pope will proclaim the gospel now i want to pick up on that in a minute i'm going to remember go back to that proclamation all right because i'm going to teach you something very important about that but first, what did Jesus have to say? So remember, this is Jesus, his first standing up in the synagogue. He stands up to read. So he, he's been sitting and he stands. That's an important point as well. In Matthew's gospel, it's the opposite way around. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus goes up onto the mountain, as per Moses, and it, it's a beautiful turn of phrase. He sits down. And then he preaches. And the, the, the beauty of Matthew's gospel is Jesus is sitting down in the dust. He's sitting down in the dirt to preach the gospel. So he makes the earth his throne to preach the gospel. In Luke's gospel, he stands up to read. And there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opens the book. For the record, the word book 
in Greek is Biblio. That's where we get the word Bible from, just in case you're wondering. And he finds a place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release or freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, or the year of Jubilee. So we actually looked at this during the Jubilee series, but I like to revisit scriptures very often. He closes the book or the scroll, gives it back to the attendant and sits down. Now that sitting down is also very important because when Jesus ascended into heaven, what does he do? He sits down because he has completed what he came to do. So now he sits down because he has spoken this word. And when Jesus, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity, proclaims a word, that word is fixed for all eternity. You know, he, he himself says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So he has proclaimed the word. Now he can sit because he's done what he came to do. Very important. Very, very important. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, contemplating the face of Christ, as John Paul II told us to do. And he says this to them. He began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So if I was to say that to you today, listeners, if I said to you, today, this scripture is fulfilled because Christ that 2000 years ago, but he said it every single day since. He says it for eternity. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what is the fulfillment of this scripture? Um, there was something I had to go back and talk about that he stood up to read. He opened the book. But first of all, I, I, and I remember there was something I said, I'm going to come back to this. So when I ask anyone, I had to come back to later. I'll see if he's remembering. But first, I want to just pick up on the four points that Jesus makes. Four points that he makes. Okay. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So the Spirit of God has anointed Jesus to preach good news to the poor. What is the good news for the poor people? The good news is your debt is cancelled. That would be the good news. What is the debt that Jesus came to clear up? He came from heaven to earth, suffered and died and rose again to remove, to remove one thing, to, to destroy the power of sin. He took our sins. And if you read um, John's Gospel, John the Baptist has a testimony. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's a testimony of the Old Testament prophet, the one that Jesus said is the greatest, the greatest, the greatest of all men, the greatest of all the prophets. And he proclaims over Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the good news to the poor, the good news that Jesus comes to give us is your sins are forgiven. Your, sin, your sins are removed. They're forgiven, right? Now, if I put, I'm going to put a bookmarker in Luke 4. And if you're following me in your Bible, put a little marker in Luke 4 because we will come back to it. And I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Let's look at this in monetary terms. Let's take a look at the world's richest man, who I think at the moment is Elon Musk. Could be Jeff Bezos might be Bill Gates. I think it's between the three of them. There's another guy as well. There's a fourth guy up there somewhere. All worth in excess of $100 billion, um, which is enough spending money for anyone for one lifetime. But anyway, so they're quite wealthy. So let's just say I'm buddies with Elon Musk, who is rich. So here, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. So Bill Elon Musk is rich. For my sake, he becomes poor. Why? What does he do to become poor? He gives me his wealth. 
so I become rich by and by his poverty I become rich so he becomes poor I become rich see that it's very simple Elon Musk is worth say 120 million billion dollars I said million but billion billion dollars he gives me the 120 billion he becomes poor I become rich that's a fair exchange right look at what Jesus does okay Jesus is rich in grace infinitely rich in grace he becomes poor how so because he empties himself becomes a slave and then he takes upon himself our poverty what is our poverty our poverty is sin sin is a poverty sin is a lack of something it's worth picking this one by the way folks and um, we often think that when we've got pride we actually have something when we have lust we actually have something when we have envy we actually have something but actually sin is a void in the soul so if we have pride it's because we lack humility if we have hate it's because we lack love if we have I can't think of the opposite to the others at the moment, but whatever sin we have, it's because we are lacking the opposite virtue. So it's not that sin itself is something in itself. Pride is not something in itself. Pride is, as it were, a vacuum in the soul, a void in the soul. When the soul is filled with humility, there is no more pride. Okay, that's just bear that. So pride is the poverty. Jesus came to take our pride upon himself and give us his own humility jesus came to take our hate upon himself and give us his own love so though he was rich in virtue in grace in mercy he empties himself upon the cross and takes upon himself our sin so that he can enrich us with his own riches so really get hold of that because when i speak to people about the battle of sin and the interior life people generally are trying to fight sin by their own efforts and they find that they're falling and falling and falling and they're not learning to depend upon the grace of christ okay so we have to learn to depend upon the grace of Christ. And when you listen to some of the prayers in the Mass Liturgy, you'll find most of the prayers are directed to the Father. And some of the prayers say things like this, Father, in your mercy, protect us from sin. In your mercy, preserve us from sin. In your mercy, keep us from sin. So we turn to God to protect us. Now, while I've been rambling on about 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's popped into my head what I wanted to talk to you about, where Jesus stands up to read, much like the person at Sunday Mass might stand up to read. And I want you to pay careful attention, listeners, here to this one, because what they're standing up to read is in the liturgy of the church, the liturgy of the Mass. The word liturgy comes from a Greek word, I think it's liturgos. I think that's how you pronounce it and it means the work of god so the liturgy is the work of god so the liturgy on sunday begins the moment the priest does the sign of the cross and concludes when the, at the dismissal which is where we get the word mass from the dismissal so the priest um begins the liturgy the liturgos when the when the person lay person gets up to read the gospel it is not the lay person who is reading it is christ because the mass liturgy is christ's the, and that's very important the liturgy is christ's that's the phrase the church uses okay the liturgy is christ it is christ's liturgy it is what's known as totus christus totally christ's so if a and, and this is one of the reasons why when we're reading and um, we need to be prepared and we need to be precise we need to be careful so we're not just standing up and reading the sunday express we're actually reading god's word so we need to read it 
knowing that this is God's word and it needs to be clear and well read. Um, and this is important for you readers out there because you are not just reading Christ's word, you are reading as Christ. It is Christ who is reading it. It's just a mystery of grace. Okay, so when you stand up to read, first reading, Psalm, second reading, the gospel acclamation, the gospel, it is all Christ, totus Christus. And that's what's going on here. He stood up to read, just like you will stand up to read. You will open the book and you will find the place where it is written and then you will proclaim the gospel and whatever you proclaim today this scripture has been fulfilled that that's the case for the whole bible the whole bible is fulfilled in christ so we can say that today whatever the reading you're reading it is fulfilled now i just want to touch base with eddie in the studio because sometimes he looks like he's on the edge of his seat and i'm wondering are you wanting to ask a few questions here well, eddie? i'm just i'm soaking it all up uh derek to be honest it's, and uh, there's, there's an awful a lot to to simulate in my mind as you um as you're going through the first half but it's all very clear some of it i didn't know some of it i instinctively thought might be right but you've certainly confirmed a lot of things especially like how you're talking about the sin is the is a void and it's the opposite of uh, of the other virtue it's, it's literally a, a an absence and uh, an absence that's yeah. a good word yeah and uh what this little bit that you've just added on about the liturgy how important that is and that it's uh Totos Christos, right? Is that right? Totos Christos. Right. There you go. That's... Right. I'll, I'll carry on then, shall I? Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Sorry about that, folks. I can see Eddie in the studio on my laptop and he is on the edge of his seat. <laughs> so, right. So, good news to the poor. Your debt has been cancelled. Release to the captives or freedom to the captives. Once again, if we look at sin, Okay, let's look at one of the sins that I, I have to deal with quite a lot in my work as an evangelist, which is very prevalent among both men and women at the moment, and that is the sin of pornography. Um, I meet a lot of people who are really fighting against this sin. They're really locked in a battle. And I try to say to them time and time again, listen, the battle belongs to the Lord. The more you lean on the Lord and trust in divine grace, the, the easier this is going to be to overcome. If you're fighting this by your own efforts, you're not going to win because you do not have the strength to defeat sin. Only Christ can set you free. Only. He, it says here, He, God the Father, has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captive. Okay, God the Father has sent Jesus specifically to set you free from alcoholism, pornography, from pride, from greed, from envy, from all the from lust, from every sin. God has specifically sent Jesus to set you free from that sin. He has not sent He has not sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you can have your lose the battles. Okay. He has sent Jesus so that you can gain the victory in Christ. So you need to lean on Christ and discern, okay, Jesus, I've got this battle of sin in my life. How am I going to overcome the, 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 the problem that I'm battling with and failing to overcome by my own efforts? Mm -hmm. So Jesus has come to proclaim release, to proclaim freedom, it to you now remember he says today this is fulfilled so he has he did this 2000 years ago you were set free 2000 years ago on the cross every grace you need to give you the freedom you desire was given 2000 years ago all right now i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going but i don't want i want to skip off luke i'm now going to go to romans chapter 8 this will be my last scripture before we have a musical interlude um, is it Romans 8 or Romans 6? Romans 6. So I just want to check another screen. Yeah, Romans 6, verse 14. Sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, 
but under grace. What is it to be under law? To be under law is, let's take the Torah. To be under law is you shall not. You shall not, you shall not. Okay, that is to be under law. You shall not do this. To be under grace is I do not want to. I do not want to. The desires of the heart change. Okay, they change. Now let's apply that to the to the sin I was just talking about. Let's say the sin of lust, the sin of pornography or sexual um weaknesses and so on. Don't forget the sin is a void in the soul. So all that this sin is doing is it's creating a big void in your soul, and you're fighting that void with a void because you're basically saying, I don't want to do this, but you're fighting it on your own strength, and therefore you're you're weak and you're not winning. And that's fighting on the Lord. You know you shouldn't be doing this stuff, but you're trying to, Lord, I don't want to do this. How do I get out of it? There's only one way out, grace. Because grace fills. Right? Hail Mary, full of grace. There are, only two, there are only two people in the Bible filled with grace. In Luke chapter 1, it's Mary. And in John chapter 1, it's Jesus. But there's a difference between the two. In Luke 1, um, it talks about Mary being full of grace, but it is a derived grace. In John chapter 1, it says Jesus was full of grace and truth, but it's not a derived grace. It is a lived grace. He is full of grace because who he is. So there's a distinction between Jesus and Mary. One is a derived grace and one is full of grace because of who he is, the second person of the Trinity. But you now are under grace. You are hopefully consecrated to Mary in some way, shape or form, consecrated to Christ by your baptism, and therefore you have a communion that you live with Jesus and Mary. And they are wanting you to be freed and filled. Okay, freed and filled. Freed from sin, filled with grace. Because you are not under law, but under grace, and sin has no dominion over you. Elsewhere, Paul writes, Sin has lost its power. This is Radio Maria. Very warm welcome back to Credo. And we've been listening to a very interesting first half of a talk given by our dear friend and collaborator, Mr. Derek Williams. And he's now about to resume the second part. Every time we, we play the music, Derek and I are always having a, a chat backstage here, off air, which is nice to catch up. Um, but I'll have to keep my eye on the time as well. So I'm going to hand back the airwaves to you. Okay, thank you, Eddie. So I'm, going, I'm back in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus says um, he has been sent to give recovery of sight to the blind. Now, this isn't just about um, physical eyesight. You have to remember there's always a context with the Word of God. So if we go back to the first two uh, phrases here, good news to the poor and release to the captives. You have there, as I've just shared with you, the concept of spiritual poverty caused by sin and spiritual captivity caused by sin. So what would it be recovery of sight to the blind? Um, Way back in the prophet Isaiah, around Isaiah 52, 53, um, the prophet says, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. Um, so we are all blind spiritually. And this can be easily proven if you just close your eyes and enter within. The chances are everything is going to go pretty dark. There's no light. Where is the light? Your soul is meant to be light. You know, Christ himself says, you are the light of the world. And as we are made in the image and likeness of God who is light. So where is that light? Why aren't we going within and ablaze with light as we should be? Simple, because of the darkness of sin and because we have been blinded by sin. And that means that we cannot see the kingdom. We cannot see the glory of the kingdom. And so Jesus wants to restore our eyesight so that we can see the glory of the kingdom. Now, by way of a bit of a concrete example of this, and without going too far off the top, adrift as it were, 
when you try to talk to your non-believing family members, your non-believing uh, neighbors and so on, people who do not know Christ or do not go to church, um, often when we talk to them, we can get a very mute reaction in respect of our sharing of the faith. You know, oh, that's nice for you type reaction. In other words, they're completely blind to the glory of the kingdom of God. And I would suggest that to a degree we are as well, because we're growing in this. It's only when you actually look at the lives of the saints and how gripped they were by Christ, especially when it came to sufferings. You know, my, my daughter is in a convent, and one of the saints she's a big fan of is Carlo Caruto, I think his name is. He's a young, young Italian saint. He was about 13 or 14 when he died, and she went to visit his shrine a few years ago, or less than a few years ago, probably a few months ago. And uh, this was one of those saints who uh, is modern saints. He's, he died not so long ago, and his mother's still alive. So, in fact, his shrine is not far from where his mom, mom still lives with his siblings. It's remarkable. Um, but the thing is, he died, I think he died of cancer or something like that when he was very young. And um, he didn't want any, uh, if I get it right, I might get it wrong, but if I get it right, he didn't want any painkillers or anything like that. He was willing to suffer for Christ because he recognized that he had something far superior waiting for him. And he had no fear of this, um, this pain that was over his physical body. And he saw the kingdom. So Christ had opened his eyes to the glory of the kingdom, and he was able to say, like St. Paul writes, I consider that the sufferings of this current life are not worth comparing with the glory that comes. Now, most, most of the time, we are still blind to that kingdom. Um, and all I'm saying to you listeners is, one of the reasons we're blind is because we have not yet matured in Christ. We need to go deeper into our interior life so that the power of sin can be utterly shattered in our lives and that the glory of divine grace can be fully alive in our lives. And there is only one way, one way only, to enter into the, these depths, and that is the way of silence, the way of contemplation. It's the only way. The, the, the saints have not given us another path to walk on. They say, this is the way walk in it and in fact that goes back to the isaiah prophecy i shared with you a minute ago i will lead the blind in a way that, that they know not and it talks about your teacher you shall see your teacher and he will say this is the way walk in it simples right the way of silence a certain amount of solitude each day and following the way of christ into our deep interiority which will shatter completely shatter the power of sin in your life and completely liberate you into the journey to holiness. Now, I'm going to go to Romans chapter 6 and speak to you just a little bit more about how the power of sin has been destroyed, because we need to recognize that sin has not got power, all right? Um, here we go. This is, this is Romans chapter 5. I'm looking at, at the moment, around verse, verse 20. Law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So grace abounds. So that's as sin reigns in death, grace also might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin kills sin brings death to the soul but grace brings life and christ's death on the cross and his resurrection we must get this it's not just his death on the cross it is his rising as well he takes every single sin of every single person on the cross from adam to the last person to be born every single sin he takes upon himself and when he dies, that sin dies with him. So the power of sin has been broken. Okay, get that. The power of sin has been broken. Christ has taken it to the grave. 
And when Christ rises to a new life, he also gives us the power to rise to a new life where sin no longer reigns. Now, that doesn't mean to say we're not going to battle with sin all of our lives. Okay, It just means that sin no longer has the power that it once had. We do not have to walk in sin. We can now walk in holiness because we've been set free. Um, but let's strike a balance on this. Let's put this in a real practical way. Right? Let's just say that you're walking, you're living your life, you're doing your praying, you're going to mass, you're going to adoration, you're doing your rosaries, you're doing works of charity and so on, you're, living, you're doing your duties, you're living your life, and then suddenly you fall into a sin, a serious sin. I'm not going to say what, you just fall into a serious sin. They think, oh my goodness, I didn't expect to commit that sin today. What do you do? Do you have to um, go to Rome and present a, an offering to the Pope? Do you have to travel to the ends of the earth and present an offering on a high mountain at a shrine somewhere? No, you just find your local priest, get down on your knees, make your confession, and he will absolve you from your sins. Just like that. If it happens to be Divine Mercy Sunday, then not only are all your sins forgiven, but also all the punishment for sin is remitted. Just like that. Sin has no power no power okay the power of sin has been destroyed on the cross what we need to learn to get used to is to stop focusing upon the sin of our lives the things that drag us down and instead start to focus upon the kingdom that christ is trying to entrust to us and this is true in luke's gospel and um, when the apostles come back for all your disciples, the 72, when they come back from their traveling through the villages, Jesus says, it has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. Okay, now, listen to this one, because once again, there's a, sometimes I get into a flow by accident, okay? So this is from the book, one of my favorite books on the planet, except after the Bible. Um, this is called Fire of Mercy, Heart of the Word, by, by Father, um, Erasmo Leave Americakis. And he's talking about Jesus' initial proclamation of the gospel. Okay. Jesus becomes his own prophet, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God has arrived. Jesus is at once the herald, proclaiming the charisma, and the king, a reality that underpins Matthew's constant theme of basilia which is kingdom or reign basilia given us the word basilica the human the humility of this king is such oh excuse me <laughs> his aristocracy so genuine and deep that he has only the good of his people at heart that is why rather than egotistically calling attention to himself he alerts anyone who would listen to the fact that the victorious presence of God is at hand and that the death throes of creation and of history are about to come to an end. That is so rich that I'm going to ask Eddie to play another song for us because right. I got him in. Beautiful. No problem.
This is Radio Maria. Very warm welcome back there. And uh, if you've just tuned in, you've been listening. We've been having a very interesting discussion here with our dear friend Derek on the Sabbath. You've covered a lot of ground today, Derek. It feels like you've covered more. Maybe I'm understanding more because you've got to get into the get into the groove, so to speak. And um, you've got such a vast knowledge, especially of the Old Testament, which a lot of Catholics perhaps won't have. Um, but the way you seem to tie it all in in this sort of huge theological tapestry is pretty impressive. So, um, so I had to bring you in there rather abruptly, but the song ended rather abruptly. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I figured that was happening. Eddie, given by the look on your face yeah. and the fact that you suddenly went very pale, exactly. I didn't send you the commentary. <laughs> so we've got just under fifteen minutes left, and well, what else are you going to throw into this treasure trove? That you've uh, I haven't opened finished up. yet. I haven't finished yet. All so right. let, let, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. So so folks, um, um, I'm going up to um, setting at liberty those who are oppressed, and the words of Christ speaking to us, a living word for today. So we we can often read or hear the word of God being read in mass. And think of something that happened 2,000 years ago. That's how I used to view it. And I often used to go to Mass when I was a teenager and think, what does this mean to me now? He's gone. That was 2,000 years ago. What about now? What about my contemporary situation? And it wasn't until I was 24 that the things came alive for me. Um, And, you know, Eddie a minute ago was very... Um, complimentary saying you know uh, how about my teaching skill and so on when I was in my 20 when I was in my 24th year and I encountered God in a special way um, I had a very powerful conviction to evangelize and John Paul II had called a decade of evangelization and so I started getting involved in all sorts of programs and courses and getting out and evangelizing, doing street evangelization and programs in parishes and so on. Loved doing it. Um, but often thought, you know, I'd read the Bible and think, Lord, there's got to be more to this than meets the eye. It's like I was skimming the surface. I'll tell you what it was like. It was almost as if the Bible was a lake and it was winter and there was thick ice. Right, and all I was doing way. that's a great way of describing it. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Yeah. And I couldn't get beneath the surface, but I could see from the history of the church that there was a depth to this that needs to be plumbed. And I knew that the saints of the church somehow had dug into this. So I really started pondering the word of God a lot. And then I started praying to certain saints, for example. My favorite one at the time was St. John Chrysostom, and his surname Chrysostom means golden mouthed. And I kind of prayed to him for several years because it was said that when he preached the gospel, people were captivated by what he was saying. And another one was St. Anthony of the Desert. And I can't remember the exact story, but I think the story ran something along these lines. He locked himself up in a castle of some sort for many, for over two decades. I make the, it's completely honest, it's just a story I heard. And at the end of this period of time, the local villagers broke in to the castle and demanded he preach the gospel, and they were utterly captivated by what he had to say. This story, I know it's true because I read it in a book on St. Francis of Assisi, and I've got to be careful here because Eddie's a, Eddie's a lay Dominican, so <laughs> I'm now using the opposition here, the lay for the Franciscans. When Francis of Assisi was around, um, the poor Claire's, Claire and her sisters, were pressurizing him to preach the gospel to them. So eventually he invited them to a meal, and they all sat down in this hall, like a village hall of some sort, wooden village hall, say about 20 or 30 of them. And as he started to preach the gospel, 
the hall went ablaze to such a degree that the Assisi firemen had to come out with buckets of water to put out the fire, which was purely supernatural. Now, this is these are the things that I used to read, and I used to pray a lot, Lord, I really want the word that I teach to penetrate to the heart of the people who hear me. Um, I used to pray this a heck of a lot, and I still do. Now I pray this more fervently than I've ever prayed it in my life. I do it every single day as I'm preparing the Word of God, as I'm meditating upon the Scriptures and reading Mary Karkis, and all the time I'm saying, Jesus, please may this penetrate into the heart of the people I'm teaching. Please let them encounter you. Um, and a few years ago, I'm sorry, I'm kind of waffling, but not waffling. A few years ago, I read a book which I've lost, and I'm gutted that I've lost it because it, I must have given it to somebody. It's called The Pedagogy of God. And it was I was recommended this book by a wonderful man called Petrock Willie, who was the tutor that, on a degree I was doing. Petrock was just giving a lecture one day on the catechesis, and I was sat in the front row of this lecture room. And I was just almost uncontrollable tears as he was just talking about the catechism and showing us our way around it. And I was thinking, why is this penetrating so much? It's like he had a sword in his hand and he kept on plunging it into my heart. And I was thinking, gosh, this is painful. And I spoke to him afterwards and, and I went into his office, had a meeting with him. I said, something about what you do is so powerful because you, you don't emphasize words or anything like that you just very casually deliver without any notes this teaching on a catechism and it completely exposes my soul to god and i said it's unbelievable and he said derek you need to read the pedagogy of god and i was like okay that was it <laughs> so i got this book which was in maryvale and um, maryvale's bookshop Hey, that's how I might get another copy of it. Because I looked, I looked on Amazon for a copy, and they're really expensive. So maybe I need to go to that bookshop. So I went to my available bookshop, got all of a copy. And it was all about how, even though I'm teaching you now, God really is your teacher. As I said a few minutes ago in Prophet Isaiah, your teacher will be behind you. Your teacher will be there. Word pedagogue comes from the Greek. It's a Greek word meaning teacher and God is your teacher. And whenever I go to evangelize in a parish for the first time, I often try to say to the people, whatever penetrates your heart in this teaching, that is from God, not me. Don't confuse my work with what God is doing in your soul. And that for me is a gift, pure gift. It's nothing I've done to deserve. It's pure gift. It's what I pray to God for. I pray to God for this charism that if I preach or teach the word of God, that the word will penetrate to the heart of the believer. The reason I'm sharing that with you is because as an evangelist, it's my great joy when the soul has a deeper conversion. And I would say to you, if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I'd love to evangelize. I'd love to teach like this. I'd love to preach like this, I'd love to study the Word of God like this, ask the same person I asked, <laughs> ask God, because he's the one who gave me this gift to teach, okay? Now, I've only got a few minutes left, but I do want to just pull out this one last line before we go to our final song and prayer time, okay? Set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, to set the cap to set the prisoner free, is it set liberty those who are oppressed, the oppression, the oppression is that of sin. Sin is oppressive. It drags us right down. Sometimes if we've if we've had a serious sin committed, say on Monday morning, the soul that is sensitive to grace, when they fall into sin, they feel like they're under a cloud. It's depressing. They can feel in their heart that their peace has been fractured or fragmented, and their communion with Christ has gone, and their prayer life has gone dry and the kingdom has become cloudy what do we do we go to confession and jesus lifts the oppression instantly immediately and if we like permanently and he proclaims over you a, a jubilee immediately and what i love here is verse 20 
He closed the book and sat down. Job done. He has broken the power of sin. He has set you free. The floodgates of heaven are open to you. The All the graces you need to become the greatest saints in the history of the world are available to you. We just need to appropriate it all. And when he sits down, everyone is zoned in on Jesus. The eyes of everyone are fixed on him. We need to do that. We need to get our eyes fixed on Jesus, not on our sin. Okay, fixed eyes on Christ, eyes on Jesus. And he will say into your soul, today, this scripture that you are reading, whatever scripture it might be, is fulfilled. If, if Jesus is saying to you, sin has lost its reign and grace reigns over your life, then that scripture comes to life in you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, it's right in verse 20, every promise that God has ever made is a yes in Christ Jesus. So every promise in the Bible, Old or New Testament, is a yes for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to pray this over you now as Eddie hits the play button on our final song for the afternoon. I search the world, but it couldn't love this song, Graves in the Garden. Beautiful. Just hear the words. Just hear the words. The world cannot fill you, folks. Jesus comes along and he fills us. Jesus wants to satisfy your desire for peace, your desire for freedom, your desire for love. You desire for healing. Jesus wants to satisfy the desires of your heart. So I pray right now. Lord Jesus, there's nothing better than you. Nothing at all. Nothing's better. So I pray, Lord, that you will visit everyone who is listening now as this beautiful music just gently plays in the background. Jesus, I pray you will visit the soul. Visit them, and as you stood up in the synagogue, Lord, I invite you to stand up in their lives, to reign in their lives, Lord Jesus, in a new way. Break the power of sin, because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's no is their God. but mercy and grace God's mercy and grace being fully alive in your life mercy and grace not sin and death the power of sin and death has been broken in the name of Jesus and the power of mercy and grace is over abundantly working in your lives right now the power of mercy and grace and we pray that now we pray Jesus that your mercy and your grace will pour into the lives of everyone listening to this because there's nothing better than you and you turn the grave of our sinfulness into the garden of your grace so i pray that jesus for everyone out there everyone no matter what the struggle no matter what the battle the power of sin to be fully destroyed in their lives and for grace and mercy to thrive Amen. Amen to that. Derek, I'd like to thank you again. That was very, uh, very moving what you've just said. And I really love the talk as always. And I'm sure all our listeners did as well. You are going to be back next week, right? I'll be back next week. All right, Let's carry well, on the series. I'll make sure I'm here as well. <laughs> Bless it's, you, Eddie. It's a tradition now. So uh, <laughs> I wish you and your family all the best for the, for the coming week. And... Uh, we shall see you again, same time, same place. 
Amen. Okay, and have a good week. God bless you. God bless you. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.